What's up, guys? So I want to jump on here and kind of give you my thoughts on the Jamal Adams trade to the Seahawks and kind of how it will affect both teams going forward and also basically why each team chose now to make this big of a move. So starting with the Seattle side of things, um, number one, and I think this is most important, a lot of people have bashed them for, um, and including myself, really, just making this kind of trade where you give up this kind of compensation and now you know you have to pay this guy a bunch of money and he has all the leverage now. So here is the thing I think is worth pointing out. In over the next four years, here's Seattle's cap space for each season. In 2020, they have $17.2 million in cap space. So that's this year. They don't need any cap space right now. So that's fine. In 2021, they have $61.1 million. That's a pretty good, pretty good chunk of money there to play with in 2021. 2022, they have $135.9 million. Well, that's a lot of money, right? And now in 2023, they have $199.7 million. Whoa. Okay, so that means the Seahawks actually have plenty of money. Like, let's say, for example, Jamal Adams wants... <clears throat> excuse me, let's say, let's say, for example, Jamal Adams strong arms him and he wants 25 million a year. Well, and, and let's just say that's a cap hit of 25 million just for, to make numbers easy. It won't be, but let's, to make numbers easy, let's just say that's a $25 million cap hit for the next three seasons. Well, that's not really going to bother Seattle. And I think that's a big, big factor that no one is really looking at but that we should be because next year they have 61.1 million. So if Jamal takes 25 of that, that's, you know, they still have 35 million left, not ideal or 36 million left, not ideal of course, but 36 million to do whatever you need to do and plug a roster that doesn't have a whole lot of holes is still doable. And you can still sign another big free agent or two in there. So especially with the amount of cap space you have in 2022 and 2023 of 135.9 million and 199.7 million. So though like Jamal is not going to be some huge financial burden on them. Now let's get to the compensation given up for him. First round pick this year. So Seattle, what is Seattle? They are a Super Bowl contending team. I don't think anyone will really argue that. Like, I don't think they're the most talented roster in the NFL or in the NFC, but I definitely think that they made the playoffs last year, and I think that they are a team that has has an opportunity to make a legitimate run at the Super Bowl this season, and especially this season next year and the year after, which they have a bunch of money in the coming years, so it makes a ton of sense for them to think, all right, our window is this year and the next three with Russ and Jamal Adams, uh, Bobby Wagner, all of our core players locked up, intact, and under contract. Like, And we have some money to spend on another guy or two, and especially in the 2022-2023 years. So Seattle is a win-now team. They have a window. They have some extra cash laying around in the coming years. Jamal Adams is a guy that gets on their team today. He will be on the roster in week one. Their first round pick next year will not be on their week one roster this season. Their first round pick in 2021 
or I'm sorry, in 2022, will not be on this year's week one roster. Those guys won't be on any rosters until a whole year and two years later. So that part of it makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at Seattle's part of the puzzle. Seattle is looking to win a championship right now. Like they're not, they're not building for, they don't care about the future. That's something that I've noticed with um, NFL decision makers and GMs. Like they don't build for the future unless they're not ready to win now. If they're ready to win now, I promise you almost anyone will mortgage the short-term future in some sense of that word mortgage. And by mortgage, I don't think just looking at their, their money and what they have, and they have their quarterback under contract, so that's not even an issue. I don't think this is really mortgaging much for them. I think they have plenty of money in the coming years. I think they, when you look at the first round picks in each of the next two years, I don't I don't really view that as some huge thing because, well, especially when you consider the way they have drafted, because that is reality. If you draft a guy late in the first round and he's a you know solid starter, which is what you expect at that point, okay, that's that's good, but if you get one solid starter next year, that next that first round pick, but he's not even on your roster right now. So that's a guy next year that you get. And then you get another solid start of the year after. Well, would you rather have two solid starters or Jamal Adams? You know, and then when you get down to the third round pick, they gave up. Well, that gets sort of canceled out because they also got back a fourth round pick and a third round pick only has somewhere in the 30% range, statistically speaking, to become a solid starter. So <clears throat> when you really look at what this Seattle team gave up and how it will affect them moving forward, I mean, you can kind of see why they did it. Now, when we look at who, who Jamal Adams is as a football player, well, first and foremost, let me talk about the number one kind of the thing that everybody's been saying, oh, he can cover George Kittle. Well, I don't know if anybody can cover George Kittle, but I'll tell you this, Adams will be up there with the possible people that could at just because of his size, his physicality, and his coverage skills. In 2019, he allowed a completion percentage of just 55%. He allowed a total of 187 yards receiving on the season. <laughs> He allowed, that's 4.9 yards per target. That's awesome. Um, and that is a quarterback rating of 75.2, a total of 58 yards after catch on the season. Four missed tackles only, and that's a missed tackle percentage of 5.1%. So he also generated 16 pressures as a pass rusher. I mean, and he was their leading sack guy with like, what was it, six and a half sacks? Yeah. So what he does for Seattle in terms of a an elite player added to a win-now team in exchange for Bradley McDougal, which I'm sure in Seattle's mind they're thinking, look, that's McDougal. He was only under contract for this season anyways. He had a three-year deal, I believe, but this was the last year of his, his contract. So it's not like that is going to fall into the category of mortgaging the future, so to speak. <clears throat> and they kind of probably view Jamal as the future at that position. So that's a clear upgrade. I don't think anybody will argue that. 
And then you get to the 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 pick compensation, and I think that is only going to affect them over a period of multiple years. So I don't think that's a huge deal. Um, so I think that for them, it's a net positive overall, and it puts them in. It's going to improve. Jamal Adams will improve their run defense. He will make it harder for San Francisco to run the ball against them and, and the Rams and the Cardinals. He will be able to. I mean, he's just the. I think Pete Carroll can use him as a movable chess piece in that defense and just kind of whoever we're playing, whichever week it is, Jamal, this is what you're going to do. Whether that's standing on the edge and blitzing, whether that's um, covering George Kittle, you know, I mean, he, the guy can do it all. So that is, um, it seems to be when you just look at it from the Seattle side, did they give up a lot for him? Yes. Can they afford to give up? The, can they afford to pay him? Well, that's undeniably true. After we see them, you know, all the cap space they have in the coming years, so they can afford to pay him. And can they afford to wait on two potential solid starters over the next two years in in exchange for an elite football player? Right now, yeah, because Jamal Adams is on their team right now. He's actually flying there. Probably as we speak, because I heard he was going there on Monday. So he is legitimately an elite player, and he's going to make them. He he feeds the motive of what their what their current motive is, and that is to win a Super Bowl immediately. Jamal Adams fits that bill perfectly for Seattle. He brings that personality to that um, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman that they've been missing and what what we've become used to seeing in the Pete Carroll era um, of that. They like to build from the back end up. So that's about the most perfect guy. I mean, he's young. He is about to be under contract for a long time. And he is awesome as a football player. He's a tremendous leader, especially when he's not worried about his contract or He's not worried about losing a bunch of games and stuff like that. Like Russell Wilson's going to take care of all that for him. He's he, Jamal's going to like it in Seattle just fine. There hasn't been a more consistent football team in terms of wins since Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have been in Seattle. So that is going to alleviate a lot of the issues that Jamal has been dealing with. <clears throat> so from all those areas, it makes perfect sense for Seattle it makes it to where now we know they actually can afford to pay him. They actually probably would happily rather have Jamal Adams than a first round pick in the next couple of years in that third rounder. Just because he's Jamal Adams, he's a much better player. He's going to make their team much better. So it's not like they're a team that needs to draft a quarterback in the next few years. Like they're fine. They can, they can part. I mean, look, the bears thought they had the, <laughs> the type of team that could, give away two first rounders. You know, they, they didn't, but we didn't know that at the time. And even then, when you have a chance to add blue chip caliber players, sometimes you just do it, man. I think draft picks are typically overrated, especially for a team like Seattle that everybody likes to poke fun at them where they're not very good at drafting in the first round, especially. And that's fine. But it's just when you're a team that's going to be really good and you're going to be picking in the late first round, I don't think there's any issue with um, 
giving that up for a guy like Jamal Adams because you're not supposed to get a guy like Jamal Adams with those picks anyways. So it's all ultimately it's a net positive for a team that's in win now mode. All right. So when we look at the Jets side of this coin, so Jamal didn't want to be there. Now, I don't think the Jets cared about that, quite frankly. I don't I don't think that was like keeping their GM up at night. But um, but just some things to consider about that. He didn't want to be there. And here's the thing. The Jets are not in win now mode. They would love to, of course, they they. By no means am I calling them guy, and by no means am I calling them a team that's tanking. But when you get back Bradley McDougald for Jamal right away, that softens the blow significantly. And I'd be willing to bet they weren't willing to do this deal without that. So they get McDougald for Jamal. That you know, like I said, that softens the blow significantly. Then they are not a team in win now mode. So they can afford to wait a year to add two players, that first rounder and that third rounder, that they will be able to add in addition to their current first and third round picks <clears throat> amongst all their other picks. So now they get, to, they get to add those guys right away. And then they're building for the future, right? They're winning now and they're, and they're mainly building for the future. So that means the next year as well just like we've seen with the Raiders we've seen the Raiders be able to add these core guys that they that they keep calling them core guys people may not agree with who they're picking with all those additional picks but it doesn't matter because they got who they wanted and they feel good about it so and they feel like they're drafting core guys that's exactly where the Jets are the Jets are the Raiders except for a couple years before what we've just seen so the Raiders just added these two drafts worth of guys and they got some good players, no question. And I think that's kind of who the Jets are right now. They're, they are the Raiders from two years ago. And I think they are ahead of the Raiders from two years ago in many ways. Um, I think their defense is really good. Even without Jamal Adams, when you substitute McDougal for Adams and you look at Marcus May and Ashton Davis, that's three legitimate safeties. I think Ash, I was surprised Ashton Davis didn't go in the first or second round. So I think the Jets got, and, I, and that's not just me. A lot of people I think were, were of that belief. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, when you, when you have the kind of depth they have at safety, now that they have McDougald may and Ashton Davis, I think that makes this a lot more of a, you know, a loss that they can, they can stomach, so to speak. Um, if Darnold, if, it, if, we, if we watch 2020 football, God willing, and we see that Sam Darnold isn't the guy, which Jets fans, calm down. I'm not saying he's not the guy, but I'm just saying if we find out after watching 2020 that he's not the guy, or if the Jets front office feels that he's not the guy, well, now you have some substantial additional draft ammo to move up if you have to move up to get, quote unquote, the guy. Or let's say they they are bad and they get the first overall pick. Well, now you take Trevor Lawrence or whoever, and you have an additional first round pick, which will probably be in the 20s or 30s. And, and you draft. Now you still get to add a solid starter along with your new franchise quarterback. However, if they if they if Sam Darnold is the guy, then that means they draft, you know, let's say they're picking 12th or something like that again. And 
they draft a solid starter a solid starter there and a solid starter with the Seahawk pick. I mean, you're adding two legitimate day one starters. So what does that do, especially for a team that isn't pressured to win now? It puts you in a really good position to have a much brighter future than what we've seen. So I think that overall, it's a good deal for both teams. I think the Jets are in good hands. They have you know, what have we said about the Raiders each of the last two drafts? We've said like, oh, wow, they, they're going to be good or they have a bright future. Well, that's what we will be saying about the Jets after a draft or two. So, I mean, especially who knows, they may be nine and 17 this year. Like they are in a lot of ways, they're ahead of the Raiders from, from two years ago. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And if this offensive line gels the way Joe Douglas is hoping that it would, well, they're definitely ahead of the Raiders and they may be, they may be a wild card team this season. I'm not taking anything away from the Jets. I'm not trying to lower expectations of the fan base either. But what I am saying is essentially that your floor is the Raiders from two years ago. And I'll tell you what, you don't think the Raiders are in a good spot right now. Ask any Raider fan. They'll tell you they're excited, man. They're excited because they've added a bunch of good young players. They now have some cap space. And after a year, hopefully, of fans in Vegas Stadium, they'll have some cash. The Jets have cash. That's not an issue for them. So if they have, and and let me just run through their cap space over the next few years and um, give you some more reason to be excited if you're a Jets fan. So this season, they've got $21.2 million, which is actually a good chunk for this time of year. Um, next year they've got 58.3 million. So that's solid, you know, not, not crazy, but that's very, very good. In 2022, they've got over 110 million, 110.3 million. And in 2023, $206.5 million. Now, obviously they're hoping Sam Darnold is the guy and they want to give him a whole lot of that 200 million or whatever, you know, whenever his time comes, they want to give Sam Darnold a lot of money because they want to, they're hoping that to this year he shows that he is that guy and he deserves close to 40 million a year. And if he does that and that's where they are, well, look out because that means they're in a really good spot with, with an extra first round pick in each of the next two years and an extra third rounder next year. They're in a really good spot. So I think both Jets and Seahawks fans should feel good about where they're at right now. It was what made sense for each team. Like the Seahawks are a win now team. Giving Jamal, Getting Jamal Adams in your building today in exchange for two guys that won't be on the field for a year or two, along with the third rounder, they won't be on your team till next year either. I think that's totally a fair situation for Seattle, especially when you consider that they do have the money. And then for the Jets, you get some extra money. You get extra building blocks for the short-term future and to, to sort of soften the blow on losing Adams, you get a solid starting safety in Bradley McDougal. So I think it's a fair deal for both sides. And um, yeah, let me know what you guys think. If you want to DM me, my DMs are always open on Twitter at FairShakeFB and on Instagram at FairShakeFootball. Let me know what you think, guys. Later.